continuing our study in James, and we're looking at temptation this morning. And uh, this is a this is a subject that we all struggle with. And um, and I hope that uh, this morning's message will be helpful to you as uh, you experience temptation. You know, Jesus was tempted. And uh, temptation, when Jesus was tempted, he didn't sin. But temptation happens to all of us. It happens to the good and it happens to the bad. And uh, But praise God, when it happened to Jesus... Jesus did not sin. He is our example. Uh, he shows us and he helps us to overcome temptation. Now, that didn't happen with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, they, they failed. And so they are our negative example. And uh, as a result of their failure, uh, sin entered the world. And, and we have s- suffered the consequences. This world has uh, suffered the consequences of their failure. Now, you might be saying here this morning, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, if I was just closer to God, I wouldn't experience temptation. Really? No. Jesus, you can't get any closer to God than Jesus. Jesus was God. And Jesus experienced temptation. Temptation in and of itself is not a a sin. It's what we do with that temptation that hurts us, uh, defeats us. But temptation happens to the strong as well as the weak. And so the question here this morning is this. When it comes to temptation, are you going to follow Jesus are you going to follow Adam? And what does it mean to follow Jesus this morning? That's what we're going to look at. You know, when Jesus overcame temptation, he didn't come to just uh, show us the fact that he overcame temptation. No, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, our lives are in Christ. His grace is sufficient. He gives us the power to say no. But it's what we do uh, when we fa- when we face temptation um, that um, <clears throat> leads to either life or death. We can either overcome it. Or we can be destroyed by it. But here's the truth I want you to get this morning. One of the truths. When when we fall, when you fall to temptation, when I fall to, to, to temptation, we don't have anybody to blame but ourselves. It isn't the devil that made us do it. It wasn't God who led us into temptation. No, it was that and cause us to uh, to um, say yes to temptation? No, it was our desires. We have no one to blame but ourselves. And and James describes temptation in verses thirteen through fifteen this morning. We're actually going to go through verse eighteen, but let me read these first three verses. James says this: When tempted, 
No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. James, in this passage of Scripture, gives us um, the direction of temptation. And nowhere else in Scripture are you going to find uh, what how, how temptation leads to death like we do in this book of the Bible and, and in the, these verses. <clears throat> the way of temptation works this way. It begins with the desire. Do we have the next screen up here, John? It begins with desire, uh, James says. And then it leads to deception, followed by disobedience. And then I have the word defeat, and we are defeated when we, when we yield to temptation. It weakens us, but James also says it leads to death. And so you need to write death in there, uh, as well, because that, that's ultimately what happens to our lives. And, you know, as we read scripture, we, we have lots of different illustrations of, of people who have experienced uh, temptation. We have, we have uh, good examples of uh, people resisting temptation, and we have negative examples. One, one bad uh, example, illustration of temptation is King David. We're familiar with King David's life. King G- David was the king of Israel. And uh, the Bible says in the Old Testament that uh, it was the spring, it was the time where armies would go out to war. And uh, David, as king, sent his army out to war. But instead of taking the responsibility and leading them into war, into battle, David stayed home. And the scripture talks about how David was wandering around on his rooftop one day. And he looked out and he saw a beautiful woman uh, bathing. David was tempted. And the Bible says that David yielded to that temptation. David was deceived. He thought that uh, bringing Bathsheba into his, 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 his house... And having a relationship with her, that was going to meet a, a, a physical need in his life. And he was deceived. He thought, this will make me happy. And then following that uh, relationship, David sent uh, Bathsheba back to her own home. And David thought, no one would ever know. But unfortunately, someone did know. God knew. And God appointed a prophet in the name of Nathan and told David the truth about not only the the act that he committed adultery, but uh, the Bible also goes on to say in that story that uh, Bathsheba was was married. Her husband was off at battle. Uh, He brought the husband home uh, thinking that he would have relationship with his wife. Well, David was told by Bathsheba that uh, she was now pregnant. 
And so David had to come up with a plan. Well, how am I going to rectify this? How am I going to keep this a secret? And he thought, I know, I'll bring uh, her husband home. He'll have relationships with her and go on off back out to battle. And uh, she'll realize that he be- she became pregnant by him. Well, it didn't work out that way. When Bathsheba's husband came home, uh, he, he, he felt much loyalty to the king. And instead of going home to Bathsheba, he, he stayed at the doorstep of uh, David's palace. And, uh, and so that didn't work. And so David came up with a plan once uh, he, he went back into to war, Bathsheba's husband, and uh, had Bathsheba's husband killed. And again, <clears throat> David thought, well, this will silence that. No one will ever know. Bathsheba can become my wife and we can just go on. But God knew all of this. And God appointed a prophet and came to David and said, David, you have failed. You need to come clean with what you have done. And David realized the errors of his ways and and confessed. And God forgave. And there's an encouraging word there. When it comes to temptation, when it comes to failure, Failure doesn't have to be final. And it wasn't final in David's life. God uh, God forgave, God restored, and God did amazing things in David's life. But in our failure, God may forgive. God will forgive and restore, but there's always going to be destruction in those choices that we make. And as you look at David's life, yes, God did amazing things in in David's life and in the kingdom. But when it came to David's uh, family life, it was a wreck. And David and his family uh, experienced the consequences of his sin. So when it comes to illustrations and a, and a poor um, illustration of temptation and, and what that leads to, uh, we can look at the life of David. But there's some good illustrations too. One of those good illustrations is Daniel. Uh, Daniel was um, uh, in captivity in Babylon. And uh, he and uh, three others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, the, and King Nebuchadnezzar took these young, young boys and uh, saw that there was great potential in them and set them aside and taught them the ways of Babylon, uh, treated them to, to the finest things that that kingdom had to offer, including the food. And uh, David and the boys saw the, the food that uh, the Babylonians were and the king were able to enjoy. And this wasn't like their diet. This wasn't like the Jewish diet. And, uh, and they didn't want to cave in to those temptations. The Jewish diet didn't look as attractive as the worldly diet, the Babylonian diet. diet. But Daniel said this, you know, I I want you to test us. Let us just have vegetables and water over the next 10 days. 
and then you compare our health to the other young men who are going through this program. And after 10 days, they evaluated uh, these Jewish boys and the others, and it didn't compare. And the, and the king uh, said, all right, you're able to, to, uh, to have the diet that you want. But, uh, and so they were obedient what God was leading them to do. And what happened with Daniel? It led to life. It led to blessing. And so my question to you this morning is, do you want to be like David? Or do you want to be like Daniel? Well, when it comes to temptation, we have a choice. And I want to illustrate that this morning through a... Um, a trap. Let's see. I think I have a picture here this morning. Can we bring up that picture of uh, this glass jar? Does anybody know what this jar is? Know what that is? We are desert rats, aren't we? That is a wasp trap. Have there, anybody ever used this as a as a wasp trap? Okay. You can also collect bees in it, but uh, it's primarily used as a wasp trap. And this is the way it works. Um, there is a lid on top, and there is an opening uh, underneath. There's a hole underneath. And what you do is you take this solution of, uh, of sugar and hot water. You blend that together. Let that kind of like as you do filling up a hummingbird feeder. And you take that solution, and you t- pour it in the top. you got to tip it a little bit because you want that solution to go around the side of the bottom of the fl- of that of that that jar, and uh, and then you hang it in a tree, and so you've got a hole coming up through the center of that of that liquid, of that uh, that sugary solution. Now you need to understand uh, what wasps enjoy. Wasps enjoy uh, they like insects, but they also like uh, bees. They like to, to eat bees, uh, and they like uh, fruit. They like sugary things. And so you hang that, that jar up, and a wasp will come around, and he'll smell that sugar, and he'll go up through the bottom of the hole. There's a lid on top so that uh, the, the water, the solution, doesn't evaporate into the air. And that wasp smells uh, that that uh, that liquid, and he comes up through the bottom of the hole, and uh, he's able to enjoy the the um, the sugar water that's inside. But unfortunately for the wasp, once he's in that jar, he'll just continue to fly around and around. He'll never be able to escape the hole because he's not thinking that. That's the way of escape. And so he'll just be flying around until finally he gives up and he drowns in the um, sugar water. God doesn't want you and I to be a stupid wasp. You know, when it, when it, comes, to, um, when it comes to temptation, God wants us to experience his best. When it comes to temptation, we must learn to say no when we really want to say yes. When our nature wants to say yes. And I have a confession to make this morning. 
when it comes to temptation, I have a hard time saying no. When I want to say no, oftentimes I'm saying yes. And when we continue to make those choices, there are consequences. What does it take? What's it going to take for you and I to escape temptation? To not be like the wasp that goes into the jar. How can we say no? Several things I want to share with you this morning. The first is this. If we're going to say no, if we're going to escape temptation, Number one, we need to establish resolve. We need to say in our heart of hearts, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. We need to resolve to say no. Daniel 1.8 says this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I'm sure that that had to be a real temptation to these Jewish boys. To see, to see this feast lined out by the king. And all the food that he enjoys, the very best of Babylon, these boys were able to partake of. Daniel saw that and he realized this isn't healthy for me. And scripture says he resolved not to defile himself. We need to resolve. That's the starting place that we're going to allow um, God's way to guide us into truth, into freedom. Uh, that's what Daniel resolved to do. But Resolving in your heart isn't good enough. There, there's more that we need to, uh, to be aware of and apply to our life. Uh, but it begins there. It starts there with resolve. The second is we need to stay alert. We need to be aware of the fact that there are, there are things out there around us that are out to destroy our life. Think about this wasp for a second. That wasp is flying around and he smells that sugar water and he thinks to himself, man, that's, that smells a whole lot better than anything natural. This man-made thing, that, that, that's attractive. And he goes up into that, that jar. He's not alert. We need to be alert. David, when he was on the rooftop and saw Bathsheba off at, at a distance, David wasn't alert. David was just thinking about his own personal self-gratification. And he succumbed to the temptation. He let his desires get the best of him. He wasn't thinking long term. He wanted what 
what he wanted, and he wanted it right now. And he wasn't thinking of the trap, and he just followed his desires. And that's what happens with our desires. From desires comes deception. We think we think of, of those desires and we think, but if I just give in to these desires, this is going to fill a need. This is going to make me happy. This is going to work for me. And that's where David was. He wanted he wanted his desires to be met. When do we give in to temptation? When our desires are strongest and most unmet, that's when deception comes. When our desires are strongest and most unmet. You go back to the garden. Jesus was in the garden with his disciples. And uh, Jesus told his disciples... Guys, you stay over here and pray. It says this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And so he left the guys there and Jesus off, went off a little bit further. And Jesus prayed. He got along with God. And Jesus knew what he was uh, about to experience. And uh, he just kept giving it to God, allowing God to strengthen his heart. After a little while, he went back to his disciples. And what were his disciples doing? They were sleeping, weren't they? They had given in to their desires. Instead of doing what Jesus had asked them to do, they gave in to their desires. That happened a second time. And then following that, um, here come the Roman soldiers. Here comes Judas. And, and we know the, the events that transpired. Were the disciples' hearts prepared? Nope. They were exhausted. They, were, they had given in to the flesh. And when, when, uh, when trouble came, when, when life began to squeeze them, instead of being there for Jesus, they fled. Their hearts weren't prepared. Jesus' heart was prepared. He had been praying. He had been asking God to, to give him the, the grace, the strength. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was prepared. Jesus was aware. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay alert, Christian. Satan is out to destroy your life. And Satan knows your weaknesses. Satan knows your desires. And when ta- But when temptation comes your way, it's not Satan's fault. It is your fault. This is what is in our heart. And Satan knows our weaknesses. Now, desires, 
They're not bad. They're not all bad. The desire for food. We need food. We like food. It's okay to desire food. We need that sustenance. But food becomes an issue when it becomes excessive. When we are obsessed with food or thinking that that's going to uh, fill a need in our life. Sexual fulfillment, sexual desires, they're not bad. God has given us, created us with those desires. But those desires are meant to be fulfilled in the context of a marriage relationship. If we go outside those boundaries and into an affair or we look for those desires to be filled through pornography on the internet, again, we are deceived in that deception leads to a life, can lead to a life of disobedience and addiction which ultimately leads to death. Relief from pain. We don't want to be in pain. And uh, sometimes we take pain pills to relieve us of our pain. But there can be a point where that becomes an obsession. We become dependent on those. And God wants to keep us, protect us uh, from those things and many, many others from controlling our lives. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And Satan knows what works and what doesn't work. When I see a raw store, I'm strong. I have no need or desire to go into a raw store or a Marshall's or a uh, Joann's. In fact, I haven't even been in Joann's or Marshall's. How long has it been here in town? You know, I'm strong there. <laughs> But when it comes to Bass Pro Shop, oh no. Susan's strong then, but not me. But we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. You know, this phone, this phone is a great device. You know, it's a, it's a great tool in order to be able to communicate uh, with people, to uh, streamline your, uh, your, your, uh, <clears throat> Your schedule and and things like this, it can save a lot of time. But this device can also be, uh, it can become an obsession. You know, you don't want to see me when I can't find my phone. You know, I've lost my identity if I don't have my phone with me. I have an issue there. All right? And so do you. But uh, it can be a blessing or it can be a curse. Um, and, and, you know, and that comes with whatever that's out there. Gaming, you know, there's some guys in here, uh, young dads, boy, you lo- love, you live for playing games with uh, your peers on the computer. That can be a f- fun thing, but it can become something that controls your life as well and impact your family. Satan knows what we're weak at. And he will lure us. Lure. Oh, boy. Uh, Pokemon Go. 
You know, uh, listen, if you're playing Pokemon right now in the middle of this sermon, you are obsessed, okay? Put your phone away. But again, it's something that can be fun, but it can become addictive. It doesn't need to become your life. So there's desire that leads to deception. You know, I need this which leads to a life of disobedience, um, James says. The the next thing that we need to be aware of if, if, if we're going to overcome temptation is we need to know the price. Know the price. James 1.15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. It's not just defeat, but death. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, Pastor, I'm entertaining this in my life right now, but I haven't died. I'm still living. And yes, you're like that wasp who has gone into that flask. And yes, you are flying around and you haven't, uh, you're not weary. You haven't fallen into the sugar water yet. You're still alive. But that, but you are deceived. You're living a life of disobedience. And if you don't turn, if you don't repent, scripture says you are going to die. Ultimately, a physical death, but you could very well be dead right now. I like what Chuck Swindoll says. Chuck Swindoll says, he calls it a death-like existence. You're living, you're breathing, but but you're dead on the inside. Uh, Max Lucado said this, in his book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior. He, he describes this, this state. says, guilt creeps in on, on cat's paws and steal whatever joy might have flickered in our eyes. Confidence is replaced by doubt. Honesty is elbowed out by rationalization. Exit peace, enter turmoil. Just as the pleasure of indulgence ceases, the hunger for relief begins. Our vision is short-sighted, and our myopic life now has but one purpose, to find release from, for our guilt. Or as Paul questioned for all of us, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Proverbs 14:12 says there is a way that seems right to man but in the end it leads to death. Are you struggling with an addiction this morning? You are living a life of disobedience and there is in in your your conscience has been seared. You know what may have once felt guilty to you, you no, no longer feel guilty about. You are living a death-like 
existence. Yes, you are in the flask. You are in the wasp trap, but you're just going back and forth. And you're going to die. You have died. How do you escape? How do you leave this this existence of death? Know the truth. Know the truth. James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 tells us this. Don't be deceived, dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Know the truth. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and I'm describing your kind of life. And you're not aware of an exit hole. The exit hole is Jesus. And you can't escape temptation until you come into a relationship with Christ. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus came to set you free. John 8, 32 said, I came, the truth, he said, the truth shall set you free. And when we enter into a life of with Jesus Christ, he can help you say no. But it starts with Jesus. If you don't recognize the fact that you are trapped this morning in sin, that is a great indication that you don't have a relationship with God. But if God has convicted convicted you of sin, of the choices that you made. Guess what? That's good news. God is opening your eyes to see that there is a way of escape. And we must come to Christ. We must know the truth. And the truth is found in Jesus. So what is your action step this morning? You need to say yes to God no matter what. You need to resolve in your heart of hearts that I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Jesus understands where you are. Jesus knows your failures. But your failures don't have to be final. There is a way of escape. There is a way to life this morning when you say yes to Jesus. Christian, have you been deceived? Are you playing with things? Are you entertaining things that are hurting your relationship with God, that's hurting your relationship with others? Conversation with loved ones is non-existence because you are so obsessed with whatever that's trying to fill the, the need, the desire in your heart. Say yes to God this morning.
put away that temptation. Confess to God that you have sinned. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. He wants to make your path straight this morning. Oh, it might be difficult in saying yes to God in the beginning. When it became when it came to my obsession with food back in October, it wasn't fun in the beginning. It wasn't fun saying no. But you know what? It got exciting when I saw the scales begin to come down. When I began to do the right thing and start moving rather than sitting, I felt better. I, I began to experience life. But it was hard. It's still hard. God blesses with choices that are going to honor him. Say yes to God no matter what. Do you have somebody in your life who can help you, who can encourage you to do the right thing? I couldn't have experienced this weight loss program had I not had a partner in Susan. She helped me and I helped her. We were there to encourage each other. Before this point, you know, I would be motivated and she wouldn't. Or she would be motivated and I wasn't. And we would fight against you. We were our own worst enemy. Or our, Our spouse was... We need each other. You need somebody. You need to confide and say, help me. Men, is there something that you're struggling with and you're in that wasp net? You don't have to stay there. Resolve yourself to say yes to God and no to your own fleshly desires. Find a man who can be your partner. And you encourage each other. Where's your heart this morning? Is it with David on the rooftop? Or is it with David confessing his sin? David confessed his sin. Look at Psalm 51 this morning. Psalm 51. I am almost through. Look at David's prayer of confession. Verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. 
you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. God can set you free. God can restore your life. Oh, there may be consequences because of the choices that you've made. But God can restore the joy of your salvation. But the only way is the way of the cross. Looking to Jesus and saying yes to him no matter what. He will set you free. And then next, finally, say no to temptation, no matter what. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, who says no to temptation instead of yes. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is a reward. Our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are desperately evil. Don't allow your heart to deceive you in thinking that anything but God is the answer that you're looking for. It's a trap. That will only lead to death. Say yes to God and no to temptation. Let's pray. Father, you know the struggle, and the struggle is so real. Because Jesus went through it himself. He was led, God, you led him into the desert to experience temptation. And I'm thankful that Jesus had the strength to resist. He knew the truth and he didn't didn't cave. Jesus is our example. And God, I thank you that it's just not a story. But when we come into relationship with Christ, our life is in him. And Jesus gives us a new heart to say yes to you and no to the world. My friend, if you're here this morning... and you're on the wrong side of temptation, there's hope for you this morning, but it's only in Christ. If you don't have a relationship with him this morning, it's my prayer that you would pray this prayer. You would say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and forgive me of my sin. 
God, I need the strength to say no. And I'm believing that by faith, Jesus, you will do that. That you will give me those words, that you would give me a new heart, that you would give me new desires to follow you rather than the ways of this world. Forgive me. Set me free. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Become the boss of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. My friend, if you prayed that prayer this morning, Jesus, is you're no longer just his creation. You're his child. And his grace is enough to set you free. Christian, if you're struggling this morning, you don't have to. But you've got to come into the light. You can't keep flying around in the darkness thinking to yourself, nobody knows. I'm still alive. No, you are trapped. Know the truth. Allow the truth to set you free. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. Let's all stand. If you need